you know, we've reviewed you know, some of the bat things that happened in the back half of the year especially. Um, we'll grab out what was really good in our game, um, we'll build something, we'll unpack it and you know, by the back end of November we'll have a really clear plan as a footy department and a coaching group and uh, what our game's going to look like and what our program will look like. So um, you know, the next few months for me there'll be no stone left unturned around what our program will look like to drive success. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is Barracken for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop In Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim and I am joined by each and every week by my co-host, Simo, mate. The season's over. Geelong, uh, emphatically, they're, they're the premiers. Uh, yeah, a fizzer of a grand final, but... Yeah, that's that's now done and dusted, and yeah, footy's over. We get weekends are back. I don't know how 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 you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing alright. It's a bit weird without footy, and all oh, it's only been you know few what days. few days. But yeah, I miss it already. But AFLW's on, the NBA is back on, and I've got a fantasy team for the first time ever. So I'm looking forward to diving deep into that. Um, disappointing end of the season, obviously, and. You know, I mean, we can only look for the positives and that's heading into 2023. And yeah, it's something pretty exciting happening on this episode, my friend. Do you want to share with the with the listeners what we've got coming? Yeah, so we do. We've got an extremely special guest. Uh, Jason Taylor, the National Recruiting Manager for the D's, is joining us for a chat, which is, yeah, super exciting, especially moving into now the trade trade period and, and the draft, national draft as well too. He's, he's the guru, he's, he's the genius behind... Uh, Melbourne's list building since 2013 and and he's had a renowned career before the days at, at Collingwood for doing a similar thing so yeah be really looking forward to him to chat to him about yeah what what Melbourne's looking to do in the off season and and a little bit about his time at the days as well too which which is obviously so relevant now because we really need to make sure we're uh, yeah looking to bolster our our list and our personnel heading into 2023 as you mentioned up top a disappointing end to the season and hopefully some few areas of need that they've identified and are targeting certain players through the trade and the draft um but yeah that that'll be really good so we'll get to that just quickly on the grand final as i said fizzer of a game i, I did actually go to the game and it, it was like a fantastic atmosphere Funnily enough, I was holidaying down in St. Leonard's, and and uh, which was a really last minute thing, so down near Torquay there, and ended up jumping on the train from Geelong to the grand final in the most packed train I think I've nearly ever been into, and then coming back into Geelong, which was then by the end of the day completely shut off. You had the police traipsing around on horses, uh, CBD all cornered off, you know, cars tooting their horns, people yelling shit everywhere, as you would imagine, a team that with a city that's just had their only team win a grand final. Uh, it would have been an amazing place to be if you're a Geelong supporter, but a pain in the ass if you're trying to get picked up from the Geelong station. I had to walk about two or three K to, to get picked up because, yeah, they'd cornered off everything. So Geelong, too good. Uh, it was never in doubt after the first few minutes. I don't know. Like, don't want to spend too much time talking about them, but it was a pretty emphatic display. It was pretty much very similar to the way we did it when we were coming in. Um, into the finals off a bit of a winning streak, I think four at the time. Um, but there's their back end of the second half of the year was just emphatic. Um, well, they knew I think they ended up winning the last 13 or 14 games, so yeah. And that, to be honest, like the last two games, they pretty much did it in the, in the way we did last year, you know, just two absolutely comprehensively win or big wins. I mean, obviously, they took care of Brisbane minus a few extra late goals, but then the way they did it in the grand final was just. From the get go, it was just bang, bang, bang. It was just they had they had a Sydney on the on the ropes. They, were, they had no idea what was going on the Swans. And to be honest, I was very disappointed being one of the Swannies to win. Um, not really a bit of a soft spot for the Swans. I just I think if I went for an interstate club, it'd be the Swannies. So yeah, very disappointed. But another another Buddy Franklin um, stinker in a grand final. Yeah. Um, the last three of his is yeah not being great um, for the Swans, but. You should have heard. You should have heard the the jeers when he touched the ball like late in the fourth quarter. I think it was it maybe like his first kick or something like that. But there was there was a span of about thirty seconds where he touched the ball three times, and uh, yeah, the crowd just absolutely got stuck into him. Uh, you know, and 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 like since then, or not since then, like just prior to the grand final, signed on for another year. So like he's going around for one final season, but 
yeah, I think they just looked shell shocked. They didn't really know what hit them, and and yeah, Geelong, a well oiled machine, um, well and truly done and dusted um, by the end of the first quarter. So anyway, that's enough about Geelong, don't you reckon? <laughs> yeah, enough about that. More about us, Tim. Um, just before we do get into the Jason interview, I think. Just a real quick grade, I reckon, of our season before before we chat to Jason, and obviously we can dive in a little bit deeper post chat. But you first, what do you, what would you grade us out of ten? Uh look, it is hard because it's I suppose it's a it's a really a tale of two halves of the season, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. um, carrying on with this momentum that we had from the grand final, and and everything from twenty twenty one. We managed to sort of sustain that over the first ten games of of twenty twenty two without really hitting our straps. You know, we weren't playing at our 100% best, but we were still able to sort of grind out wins, finding different ways to win, playing only probably, you know, 30, 40% of, of a game where we could just click for, for 20, 25, 30 minutes and really put sides away. And I think that showed a lot of character about the Ds. I think just the second half, again, similar to 2021, but at the second half of the, of the season and listening, I suppose, to the players and coaches post this season just gone and talking about probably the the lack of rest that they had, the lack of a break between the seasons was probably something that really came back to bite us in the ass towards the end of this year. And I think that was pretty evident when you saw the players, yeah, the the fitness and the energy probably just uh, drop a, a bit at certain times. And you could just tell even with our run back into, back into September, it wasn't the most convincing. And, and yeah, whilst it was very disappointing not to win a final, I think we did extremely well to finish second. I think you know had had a win, had the Carlton win not happened, we could be we could have finished fifth and gone out the first week of the final. So I think we gave ourselves the best shot in terms of I think the list and the I think where we were at physically. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's it's disappointing. If I'm to give it a score out of ten, I mean, like a five, like it's a five or a six out of ten, I think personally, because there's probably yeah, there's probably slight things that maybe in hindsight seem easier to do, like from personnel decisions, team selection, as you mentioned, um, but it was so evident when the late game fade outs were starting to happen more and more uh, that. The problems were really evident. The cracks were starting to appear and they were really clear. And I don't think that teams really feared us the way that they did last year. So there was that sort of lack of killer instinct, but I think there was sort of the fatigue certainly set in. So as you mentioned, you've got to take the positives out of it, but I think finishing second and not winning a final. And I think that our game plan was so normally well-structured to be able to, to cope with some of those things. It's it's ultimately yeah a, a disappointing end to the season, but as you mentioned, we can't we can't uh, dwell on it too much. You just hope that yeah, the, I think I talked about it in our last pod with Shannon Gill going into the Brisbane game. I think we had to be confident that we would come out on top because they they're not in the top four best sides of the competition, uh, and that's a fact. And yeah, the fact that we weren't there. That's our own fault, but um, that's yeah, that's just what I'm feeling. That was a very long answer, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate it though. Yeah, a lot of lot of good learnings there. I reckon you've given us almost a snapshot of the 2022 season just there in the space of three minutes. <laughs> could you feel my emotions going up yeah, and down, up and feel, down. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit in that, but it's the roller coaster. To, to give you my yeah, the roller coaster. There it is. Um, I'm going to give us a seven purely based on the the way our VFL side went about their, their things and the players just obviously just adapting to the system that we want to run, only losing one game for the year. I think there's so many positives that come from, you know, the club as a whole. Um, yeah, to, to win the VFL flag, I thought that was huge and just get, you know, some really good time into our younger players just to build that depth as well. Yes, it was disappointing, but yeah, given it the seven, um, I mean, yeah, it did, did well to finish second, but then again, very disappointing way to end. But gee, I just want to get back into the 2023 season. Gee, I hope we we see a flag, which which would be the end result where this team can do that. It's just a matter of you know staying healthy at the right time. We're super healthy in 2021, and I think we're just going to get that fitness base and 
you know, that part of our game right again because whatever Burjo did with us in 2021 was just exceptional. And, I mean, you'd think that the program would run the same, but will the team just to overrun sides? But this year we've got it overrun. So, that interesting looking into it, but enough for us talking. I think it's time for Jace. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, we'll see everyone next. All right, Simo. Well, we are extremely fortunate and very excited to have our next guest. Melbourne National Recruiting Manager Jason Taylor joins us. Jason, thanks so much for joining the show, mate. We're yeah, so excited to have you on. Uh, disappointing end for, for the club to end the season 2022, but now I guess all eyes move to 2023 and, and we start looking ahead there. But uh, how did you find this season and, and everything that the club was able to achieve? Yeah, look, it's, um, obviously, like you said, Tim, it's a, a disappointing uh, end of the year for us. And, um, you know, to bow out um, and, and, you know, after finishing second on the ladder um, and not, not win a final is clearly um, not the result we're after. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it's a tough competition and, you know, it's very hard to to go back to back uh, and, you know, let alone win one full stop. So, um, you know, all's not lost and um, there'll be some really good learnings out of it collectively as a football department and a footy club. And, you know, we'll just start resetting, look to areas where we can improve. And and uh, part of that process is, um, you know, an overview of everything within the footy department, not not a review, just an overview of going through everything and um, and also looking how we can improve our list through the, the upcoming um, trade and and uh, draft periods. So just on that, now looking ahead, what are the D's priorities really targeting this this off season? Yeah, I, th- I think I think we're looking at all areas, but it, I mean the the um, the obvious is that you know obviously um, Luke Jackson's decided to request a ch- trade back home, so through that we're looking to replace position um and and also acquire uh, you know elite talent to replace and uh, the elite talent going out as well so we clearly need to address those two areas um given that um the circumstances of Luke um requesting a trade back to his home state um and we'll go about our business trying to do that and get the best possible result for the for the club and the list Fantastic. So if you so thinking about replacing Jackson, you know, Grundy's been floated around the media and everything. And could you see him fill, filling that void of Luke Jackson? Yeah, yeah, no, we we think so. And and like I said, we, we clearly we need to um get another Ruckman in. And if you cast your mind back to when Brody was playing his best football um before injury, he, he they play a similar away, uh the similar style Ruckman. Um so we think, you know, if if that could complement where we're headed and also fill it fill a need for us yeah with with luke jackson yeah unfortunately departing now and like the go home factor has been i suppose a, a big part of the draft and and it, it always has to be in recruiting managers heads and stuff when it when you look to making a pick but is it something now that's probably more prevalent than ever being that you know he only spent three seasons at the club unfortunately and we've got um, a couple of WA boys there as well. Is that something that's even more so now in the mind of recruiters, do you think, across the board? Yeah, I'll, what I say here probably won't be music to everyone's ears, but, um, you know, you go through a process in what is a national draft and ultimately you want to select the player that you feel um, can complement your list and is the best available talent when you're picking anywhere in the draft, but particularly higher in the order in, in Luke's case. So you do the work. If, if you've got any really genuine red flags around that and there's players in your home state that are not far off in talent, well, then that obviously is a consideration. But what I'll say is that if you learn from past th- uh, things that you, you go through, past processes, uh, past decisions, but by no means are you ever dictated to by that. And if you start being dictated to by that, you you won't be great again. And um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be sitting here getting dictated to and not pick a Western Australian because of, uh, you know, a, a fear that may not be there. Um, plenty of players have, 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 you know, been drafted from interstate clubs and stay and have long careers. And, um, 
you know, in Luke's circumstance, it, it, it didn't uh, work out to the, you know, the duration that we wanted and projected when it happened. But at the end of the day, you know, he's been, you know, part of premiership success at the footy club and um, we'll move on. But um, yeah, it's not going to be something that puts us off picking the best available player and, and I couldn't be uh, any more adamant on that. Love that. And we look at another WA boy who's really shone his first year, you know, JBR, um, Van Royen. He's he's been super to watch and not alone, not just him, but you know, all the all the depth that's been shown across the VFL um this year. How strong do you think that is for our depth? And give us a give us your thoughts around, you know, those first year draftees. Yeah, I think they've all had um, you know, they've all had in I suppose, um, you know, if you look at Jacob's year, like for uh, first year key position player, he acquitted himself really well. Um, you know, he grew nearly each week um, and become more comfortable at the level against the the more senior bodies at VFL level, and um, that was fantastic to see. But you know, he he really displayed what we we thought he could, and that's just his really competitive nature. And um, you know, he's a strong lad, and he's really outmarked and. Um, brings the ball to ground and, and he competes well at ground level as well. So collectively as a footy club, we're really pleased with his season. And of the other boys, like uh, Blake Howes had, you know, he had uh, interrupted year, um, started the season really well, but with that stress fracture uh, of the foot region, um, you know, it's a pretty significant injury that he, um, you know, so then you see another side of footy and that's how, how they equip themselves to the rehab process. And we're really pleased how he did that and, he was able to get himself back and play some some okay footy towards the back end of the year and 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 in a premiership and um you know so same with Tajway Woden like we we're really pleased with his year um had a very good grand final as well you know all you can want from those boys is that you know they improve on the areas you're working with them and they show that they're adapting to the level you know and I think they all did that Juddy McVie as well you know probably his best game. Um, was in the grand final for the year and um, it's a big adjustment for some of those lads and um, you know with the bigger bodies and it takes a bit of time to adjust and as a football club where our list stands we're really patient with being able to grow and mature uh, it's even been you know well documented I, I think through you know this post grand final you know there's a lot of players that have played some significant BFL even with Geelong on their list and I think if you look at Tom Sparrow and Jimmy Jordan, just to give a couple of examples that, you know, patience and helping uh, young players grow their game can really set them up for successful AFL stints. Definitely. I, I think uh, there's been, I know Goody sort of spoke towards leading up to that semi-final there about a number of players that could have been at AFL level and and there was a bit of a calling for Van Royen to maybe get a bit of a berth in the, in the semi-final. But if, if you were to pick a player, Jason, that would be able to break into our side pretty early on next year. Is there anyone that sort of comes to mind initially? Because we had, as you mentioned, a number of number of performers. I know Bally Laurie is another one that sort of, I think, came close and played a couple of really good games late in the season as well too. But is there anyone that you can see making making a case for breaking into the senior side early on? Yeah, well, Bailey's another one that he, he, had a, he had a little bit of a shoulder towards the end of the year that was, um, wasn't allowing you to be at his absolute best. But... Uh, He's able to come through. He, he had a pretty good year, Bailey. He, um, he, he made some real strides, and we we um, looked at Bailey clearly as a first year player this year. He had no luck in his first year. He had a significant fracture. There was a couple of just training accidents, and uh, it was a it was a bad bad injury, the uh, eye, eye socket. And um, so we we really felt that you know, given that you know, with the COVID, he missed a fair bit of footy. Then he comes into his first year at AFL level. Um, we'd really basically treat him as a first-year player this year. So all those boys you spoke of, um, you know, it's a reset. It's a new pre-season. Who comes back and puts their best foot forward? All those things come into account. But if I, on the progression of this year, you think that, uh, you know, Jacob Van Royen would give himself some chance to to push towards selection early next year. And, um, you know, we're talking players like Toby Bedford, uh, Kay Chandler as well. Like, you know, they're, they're well and truly... Um, we speak of that model of the VFL. Well, Kate and Toby are, are playing well above the VFL level, and, and when they get their chance, I know they're going to be successful at AFL level, and we, we look forward to 
to seeing that with the, with us. Could easily see a number of, you know, that, that competitive nature and, and having competition to, to make it into the senior side has always seen as a healthy thing. And we've certainly got a, a number of players there and been some chatter in the off season about already about players like Bedford potentially getting interest from elsewhere. But, you know, he's a really exciting young forward who, who definitely took his chances when he got a spot in the side. So we'd love to see him stick around. Just on that, it was fantastic for those boys to play in the premiership as well. Like, we're well led down at Casey with with um, you know Jimmy Munro, Mitch White, Matty Buntine, those senior players. I'll, I'll probably miss someone, but um, you know the, with our AFL contingent, pretty young lads, and and they they had an outstanding year, and um, it was a real credit to them. Do you see in the draft this year, Jace, as being like a strong top end? Like, would you see Melbourne trading back into? into the first round we've, we've made such a great habit of that over the last few years and it's been really successful for us in, in trading our future first picks could you see us potentially getting trying to get back into that first round of the draft this year in order to um to top up our, our talent yeah absolutely yeah i think that the top end of the draft's pretty um pretty strong but um it's really even after the early early patch of it um and you know so anytime you can get into a better position, um, you know, whether that's through utilising um, future first or or just your, your draft hand in general, um, you know, we've got to keep an eye on next year, which looks a reasonably strong draft. Um, but in saying that next year is another year and um, there's always mechanisms that help you get back in there. So, yeah, no, we look at all avenues to get in and um, clearly if we're going to have a, 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 a launch at the draft, um, in a significant way, well, we'd, we'd like to be as close up to the top as we can be. There's one big thing that sticks out to my eyes in, in your time at the D's, Jace, is the Clayton Oliver selection. When I when I saw it, you know, a bit of a draft bolter, and I think this is probably one that you've you've been very proud of, and I know us as Melbourne supporters are very, very fond of your work here, but can you tell us a bit more about the Clayton Oliver situation and could, did you think he was going to be this good? Oh, I'll start at the I'll give you a, a quick summary of a process, if you like. So, um, when you sit down at the start of the year, we, we might we'll meet with um, talent managers throughout the NAB League, throughout the Sandful, throughout the Waffle, um, you know, the Northern Academy states, and um, you know, you go through players that they feel like might be progressing, um, and then guys that maybe have come from a little bit left field. So. When we sit down with Lee Fraser, who who's at AFL Victoria now, is at the time uh, the talent talent manager at Murray Bush Rangers. He just mentioned a kid, Clayton Oliver, being cut from Bendigo and then um, was doing the pre-season with them, and he was named the um, rising star in the in the um, Golden Valley League the year before. Um, so it's just a name we note down. Um, so from there, like. Scouts go and watch games, and um, he actually played in an early game. So Tim Lamb went to watch a practice game, um, you know, um, with that information, and um, he got there for the second half of the early game because that was where that you know bottom a lot of bottom ages ages are playing, and the, and guys just not quite up to the list. But he said, "Oh, that Clayton Oliver played in that and just showed a little bit." Um, he, he said he looked a little heavy, but he showed a little bit, and. Um, uh, so you just continue to follow the process from there. But um, so we did that. We watched him play and then he showed bits and pieces. And um, then I, he got um, selected for, uh, I'm not, not, I can't remember exactly what came first. He, he had a trial game against New South Wales. So Jacob Hopper, Matt Kennedy, um, you know, were highly touted at the time. He played in that and, and we thought that he, you know, I thought he looked really good against them. And obviously we've got that vision, so you, you go over and over that type of stuff. Um, but it was really mid-year when he he uh, was brought into Richmond's VFL team. So they, they bring him as 23rd players. And Josh Dunkley was playing as well because um, he was living in Richmond. So he was doing he was training with Richmond's VFL team um, when he wasn't playing at, at, at um, Gibby. So he was playing in their VFL. And then Clayton Oliver had bought, been brought in. And I watched two weeks in a row of these VFL stuff and really it was pretty evident pretty quickly in that VFL game that he was a bit better than everyone else out there. I suppose that was the igniter, that mid-year VFL stuff. He did some high-end stuff in 
those two games, you know, across at Punt Road there. Um, and and then that was where we really gained traction and we honed in on him. But his finish of the year was pretty exceptional at Nav League as well. Um, but when you collate it all together and then you're doing the – he's going over his season's vision and all that, did we expect him to be as good as this? We, we certainly had some considerably high hopes that he would be. Yeah, because he, he does have some special stuff in his game. He does. And we were just chatting before as well. So we, we still, I think we question ourselves every time we, we look up and, and just check on how old he is and for him to be this good at this at this young age and to think that we're we're certainly, you know, we're in for a treat in terms of being able to watch him for the next, you know, probably near decade again, still in, in the red and blue and, and watching one of the greats for the club and probably in the game, you know, sort of unfolding before our eyes. We're, we're definitely relishing that in, in the midfield that we have as well too. Credit to him too, you know, like Clayton after his first year, he had a pretty good first year, but he, he needed to get his standards to a different level. And he, you know, I think if you would have heard Clayton credit um, Billy Stretch, you know, who, who got the most out of himself, Bill, and um, but he was a real driver for Clayton um, and set the standards that now Clayton sets, you know, each and every week. And he, 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 you don't need to be, you know, in the, in the inner sanctum, I suppose, to know that you can't perform like he does as consistently as he does if you don't prepare yourself um, really well. Just quickly, Jace, before you go, uh, sort of casting your mind back to when you arrived at the club, we are coming out of, yeah, some pretty dark days in that sense. But when you first arrived at the club after your time at Colling, what was, what was the biggest, I suppose, what was the biggest thing you identified as an area of need for the days? There was a significant turnover of players in the first couple of seasons. What was something that you really sort of targeted in terms of a list management position? Oh, initially it was just the midfielders. No, just needed. We just needed midfielders. You know, like Nathan Jones was in there. With no, no disrespect from uh, people of the of the at the, that time. Um, we, we just needed some uh, significant injection of high end talent into that midfield. Um, and we needed to start bringing in um, what what we like to term those, you know, great competitors and characters um, into our club and um, and what we ultimately term the phrase tip the balance of that. So, you know, it takes time. Um, you know, typically a premiership list, if you start from scratch a little bit, can take seven to nine years to, to build really like that's just if you look through history um but you need to do it through through not just top end talent but they've got to be the right people and you've got to tip the balance of uh competitive characters um and you know that's what we said about doing and then but initially it was the midfield and then you look to other areas of the ground to to you know you need to get those right as well and um it's an ongoing process and you've definitely been able to do that. You look at some of, like you talk about the high-end talent. We've had our share of, of high picks over the years, you know, with the Brayshaw, Petrarca, um, Pickett, Jackson in, in that sense. But you've you've made a name for yourself over, over your career in being able to find these, you know, diamonds in the rough. You look at your, your Tom Sparrows, uh, you know, your Alex Neil Bullen's pick 40, James Harms off the rookie draft in 2013. We've really been able to find those competitors. I think I love the word that you said there. Um, James Jordan, I think you said as well too. These players that have been at the the back end of the draft that ended up being you know genuine contributors for a premiership side. You must be extremely proud of of those players and their impact. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, Tom and, and James in particular. You know, they're they're real drivers of uh, standards because they're just quality people. And um, you know, there's others as well, like Harry Petty and that. They're just really good characters who. You know, and Cade, and you know, and and that's important in what we do, and um, it's important in uh, building a, a a list and a team that um, will get better. I suppose if you like, they need to have that real drive and love of the game in their stomachs, and um, certainly a, a number of, if not all, of those boys really have that, and. Um, so you know that's important, but you know it's a it's a credit to our recruiting team, which at various times through COVID has um, you know lessened, if you like. But um, yeah, we still had an incredible group of um, full time members. You know, in 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 you know obviously Lambie's now list manager, and um, you know Kelly O'Donnell and 
and Todd Patterson, Darren Fruger is now at Essendon, and, and we've got many scouts in the, our, our scouts throughout the country as well. Like, it's a real team effort, um, and you're only as good as the people that you work with. And, you know, so yes, we're proud of being able to achieve what we did last year, but um, yeah, it, it, when you get to this year, you like, you do, our job is to, we need sustained success and if we've got the group there now, we just need to make sure we utilise that. Fantastic, mate. Well, we know we've got to run, so look, we'll let you go, but thank you so much for, for today. We really appreciate your time and it was great to get your insights about, yeah, your journey for the days, but also looking ahead in what, as you said, looking for that sustained success and for all the supporters and listeners out there. I know they're really interested to see what we do in the off-season this year, but looking forward to seeing us all back on the track for another tilt at the flag next year. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thanks, Simon. All right. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thanks, mate. Enjoy. How good was that, mate? Yeah, yeah, amazing, fantastic to talk to to talk to Jason there, and yeah, like just some incredible insights, I suppose, in into the brains trust behind Melbourne's thinking and and how they're going to really address this off season looking forward, and and also interesting to hear about you know some some past selections and and some players that we're watching now, and and uh, yeah, his ability to be able to find these amazing contributors in the later stages of the draft and how they've really impacted our side as well. 100%. And I think, that, well, going through, you know, what our biggest needs are, and that's obviously with, you know, with Luke Jackson going out, unfortunately, it's it's left a big gaping hole, and that gaping hole is yeah, our ruck stocks. I mean, we've got Gorn, and pretty much that's it. Um, Sam Wiedemann was playing main ruck in the two. So, you know, it could be interesting. The reason, well, there's a lot of, you know, news circling around about, you know, could this be, could Wiedemann be traded? Um, pretty interesting to know that he just re-signed last year and, you know, the news was floating around. But I think we do need to keep him purely bases, you know, as an insurance policy, basically. Um, but, yeah, I think what the Ds are really looking for is a like-for-like replacement for Jackson, and that is Brody Grundy, which is completely – it seemed to be believed as to how that would actually eventuate and actually work. Um, but, you know, Grundy at his best is basically a Luke Jackson. Um, I mean, not as – agile ground level but still can be used as an extra midfielder um it, who knows what's going to happen there's going to be a focal point up forward i mean we've seen what corn does at times i mean it showcased he's probably his best work purely out of the ruck to be honest or as a ruckman out of the ruck stoppage in the forward line but it'll be interesting sorry it'll be interesting to see what actually eventuates you know it's great Brody grundy the answer i don't yeah oh, look, i don't know if he's the answer, but like he's is the next he's the next thing in line. As you mentioned, we've got we've got no stocks there, so it, it certainly needs to be addressed, and it'll be something that you can't you can't rely on. You know, a first you know a fresh rookie coming in to, to sort of fill that void. So I think you look at the Jackson deal, and, and like there he's, he's an asset, and, and what we what we sort of require back from him is is really going to unlock what probably what we do for the rest of that trade period. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's through, yeah, you know, trade and free agency or through the draft. So you think that, you know, Melbourne asking for a pick inside the top 10 plus another first rounder, uh, no doubt we'll probably swap, you know, like a second or, or third or something like that to expect at least two picks back. And mm-hmm. one of those first rounders, you'd hope the later one uh, or definitely the latter one would be the one that probably unlocks Brody Grundy. It sounds like that also few reports surfacing yesterday that there's a bit of, uh, yeah, he's not entirely happy with, I think, his treatment at the pies. Not too dissimilar with what happened with Trelaw as well, too. So that, I think, you know, with Dugowie probably closer to re-signing than not, um, you know, they were really sort of forced to make a decision about who they want to keep at their club. And I think Dugowie had a, a pretty solid final series and showed that he can certainly be a difference maker there. And as long as he, uh, yeah, behaves so... I think, yeah, I think the Grundy thing is probably going to happen, I think, more likely than not. And, look, I don't know what it looks like. We chatted about this the other week with Shannon Gill and, and how it could work. And uh, and Jason talked about that he they they certainly see that as part of the game plan in terms of two rucks working. And, and he mentioned, as you said, you know, Grundy 
at his best could be similar to Luke Jackson, which, yeah, could be a little bit of a stretch in terms of, um, yeah, the agility side of things, as you mentioned before. But, uh, yeah, it has to it has to be done. Like, there has to be some sort of contingency there. And, and I think you're right, keeping weeds as well too, holding him to his contract, um, you know, trade request or not, uh, is certainly something that they, they would want to do just just for just for safe. 100%. And I suppose Grundy comes with a huge pay packet. But, you know, if we are obviously, if we offer them, the more we offer, the the more Collingwood's going to be inclined to pay part of his contract. So I mean, there was chatter around them, but what's he on about a mill? So I think Collingwood were looking to pay about 300K of it, um, give or take what we give for him. Um, but then to go with that, I mean, obviously for us to fit in the salary, there's going to be some players that, you know, going to look elsewhere. And I think one that's come out today is, Jaden Hunt to West Coast, which is, a sh- to be honest, a shit loss because, I mean, the the things that he provides, I mean, obviously it's not overly consistent in what he does, but when he does provide, you know, that run and dash and also his defensive game has really improved over the last two years. Um, to lose that's going to suck. Um, you know, Toby Bedford's another one that's been, you know, heavily linked to the Giants and also Essendon, I believe, um, maybe in a couple other clubs that, you know, he provides a little bit of X factor up forward. I mean, you know, he showcased that in the games he played for us this year and obviously had a strong season in the VFL. Another one is Adam Tomlinson. Obviously, he's, you know, he started really well with us and then obviously the ACL, you know, put him back in the pecking order. And, I mean, it's hard because Adam Tomlinson kind of plays as a, as a small defender when he, I mean, in the air, body to body, he'd go all right, but in the air, he just gets found out. So, I mean, he, he's kind of that one that, you know, he drops that 500K salary, Um is probably the player that does go. I mean, you know, hopefully he gets a, a look in somewhere else and, you know, we can benefit from that cap space that is free. Yeah, well, I think it was reported that he recently uh, completed a medical at the Dogs uh, only a few days ago. So for for a club that's that's pretty thin on, on their defensive stocks there, I think he would be a nice fit. It's sad to see him go, but as you said, it was just the timing. It, like, unfortunately for him, he was playing his best footy and, and yeah, injuries, you can't... You can't really have any control over those, and it, it did ultimately cost him in that spot in the 2021 uh, grand final. And then, yeah, like managed to sort of work his way back in a little bit when when injuries sort of came in. You know, Maisie goes down. Well, you know, the whole Stephen May thing, and then Jake Lever coming in. He was always the first defender back in mm-hmm. as well too. But it, it also might free up a bit more time for uh, you know Disco Turner to come back in because I think he had that really strong first half when he played before he got knocked out. You talk about the 500k that's freed up there. Probably something that they're considering as well. Too, I, I I can't imagine Hunt and Bedford being on big money. I think Bedford. I think they're confident that he'll stay. But you're right, that interest is certainly there. And Hunt, yeah, we were just chatting before. Like he, he single-handedly almost won us the Carlton game off his own boot. And it, it'd be a real shame somebody that's really sort of bled red and blue. Again, timing hasn't been uh, hasn't been kind to him. Uh, in terms of missing in that grand final spot, but he played some of his best footy this year and really found a niche in being that lockdown small defender. But we've also got, as we were mentioning, uh, sort of a, a collection of, of players that could really slot into his role as well too. So being that unrestricted free agent, he's not required to do anything. He can sign with whoever he wants. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there as well. We talked about Grundy. Is there anyone else that you think the D's uh, are linked to or or anyone that we, we should be targeting in the trade period, like experienced experienced players? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of floating around. I know we were really interested in Lloyd Meek really early on, and obviously he's a player that yeah, will bolster that ruck stock. You know, obviously he's probably more he wouldn't really go to us if obviously if Grundy came because again he'd just be playing second fiddle like if he was to say it Frio would be behind you know Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson at that stage so I mean it'd be the same situation with with Grundy and Gorn I mean he's not going to get a game just purely based on you know can he play forward really um he's probably a bloke that's just purely ruck um but again, he'd be a perfect insurance for Gorn, especially when he does retire. Um, well, Gorn's now, what, 31? So, I mean, you think he's going to be the perfect player. Another player that's sort of been floating around is um, Sam Sam Hayes from Port Adelaide, another, you know, a ruckman who's now, I think, 23, I believe. So he's been in the system for a while. And I think having him as insurance, he's a Victorian boy as well. He's actually an upway junior. So back where, you know, where I play my footy. So obviously a few of the boys at the club know him and 
Um, yeah, it'd be really cool to actually yeah see him come down to the D's. Big boy too, actually, Sam Hayes. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really the only players we're looking at. I think it'd be really cool to get some. I mean, obviously, we got Luke Dunson for Donuts last year. Um, I mean, we can't really look at – I mean, I look at Matt Crouch and you think of how much he's – He's gone out of favour from Adelaide, going from All Australian back in 2017, and yeah, you know, being a super player. Um, uses it poorly by foot, but he, he to, to be honest, it's probably another Luke Dunson in in that sort of shape. So it's a, it's a really tough one because I don't. I think we've got our depth is quite strong, and minus probably the second ruck, and I think everywhere else is pretty well covered. Um, yeah, it's. It, I think. Forward, forward, we've got key forwards that are ready to come through. I mean, it'd be awesome to see Jacob Van Royen start next year, um, probably alongside Tom McDonald and Gorn forward, to be honest. Um, that's probably where we're sort of lying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Like, I think the pieces are all there. I think the fitness is the really key thing that having having a solid off-season and really getting back, getting everybody back into their, their peak shape. And I think that's really going to set us up we can't go. I mean, I was mentioning. I thought Jack Gunson would have been. Jack Gunson would have been a great fit. You liken to his position, and and I suppose compares to Bailey Fritch a little bit, probably similar to the way he plays. And I could certainly see that. But I suppose just he's still only. I say only like he's thirty years old, but he, he's he's shown that he can still kick a bag of goals. Um, and like there's obviously a lot going on at Hawthorne at the moment. So I guess with the players sort of looking to. Potentially exit there, but there's that strong connection with Chris Fagan and and you know Luke Hodge going north as well too that time ago. So I can't see us really looking to uh, for experienced players elsewhere. I know we were interested in Carl Amon before he nominated Hawthorne as well too. Um, so you know that that ship sailed there. But you think about what Jason was talking about heading into the draft and and potentially like it's it's quite strong up the top of the draft. So. You know, you could see us potentially trading our our, our future first pick again to, to sort of get back into that first round. So I'd be interested to see what they sort of target there. And then we've got that depth of players at the VFL that are AFL ready that, you know, like your Tajway Woden's, you know, we've called for lorry time a lot this year. <laughs> we called it for it once. We called for <laughs> lorry time. You know, just we've got players there already. So I, I don't think there needs to be too much tinkering in the list. I think it's just getting the timing right, getting our forward structure right, and, uh, yeah, probably working on some game plan stuff as well too. So, I, uh, yeah, I can't really think of much else. Charles, I mean, yeah. when, like I've said before, I mean, you win a VFL flag, obviously your depth is, you know, quite strong. And, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, obviously being able to transfer these boys into AFL games. I mean, probably Jacob Van Royen's the biggest one that does st- stand out for me. And, um, you know, we've got players that, I mean, you look at Luke Dunson, I mean, straight away, once a midfielder went out, he he was able to, you know, come in, obviously, you know, playing, you know, second fiddle really to, you know, your tracks, your Olivers, your Vines, et cetera. It's quite hard, but obviously he's, he's, he's again, he's an insurance policy. Wiedemann, another insurance policy. Mitch Brown was another insurance policy. A lot of insurance policies at the, <laughs> in the VFL side, but yeah, it'd be good to see players transfer. I think, we could find. I, I, I'd love to say Bowie's going to be a regular stay, if, especially if Hunt goes. Because I mean, we saw Bowie, you know, was able to contribute in 2021. I mean, he didn't lose a game for 17 games um, for a start. <laughs> um, maybe we should have brought him back in to uh, to win games. But I just feel so assured when he's out there. So, you know, he's going to hit a target. You know, probably nine times out of a ten. People only commenting on what they see, um, but internally. It's Fagazi. Can you do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the water <laughs> No, I can't, but it's uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs>well, I think so. At least, at least for focusing on season 2022 as well too. So, biggest talking point, uh, summing up season 2022 in a comment. We've got a couple here to yeah finish it off for the year. Who have we got there first? The first one comes in from Jeffrey Bass. Unfortunately, this year was pretty disappointing compared to last year's awesome premiership. It's a tough competition and very difficult to win a flag. Bring on 2023. Yeah, 100%. It's super tough. I mean, you've got to hit your straps at the right time and 
you know, injuries play a factor and also form play a factor. And unfortunately, we didn't have either of those two. And yeah, hopefully we get ourselves right and yeah, mentally switch that focus for 2023. Yeah. Love the positivity though. At least, you know, it was hard to sort of cycle through some of them. We obviously a lot of feels straight after that Brisbane mm. that Brisbane final, especially from us as well, too. So it's uh, interesting reading this from a couple of weeks on, <laughs> and just yeah, you, you can see you can see the, uh, the the tempers were flared and everything like that. So understandably so. All right, next one comes from Heath Tudor, uh, loyal listener to the show. It, we have the talent, but have to change and adapt the game plan. Stuck playing footy like it was played last year. Need pace on the ball, and most definitely need to address the forward line makeup. You'd have to think that players like Chandler and Bedford would get more of a run, not to mention that they have to find a way for Bowie to be in the team. So in and all, in a nutshell, we've got the talent. It's the only reason why we're in the games and should have won games that we had no business being in. So, yeah, I think especially going back to that first half of the season, just finding those different ways to win. As we even mentioned before, trying to find areas of need or like personnel to target. I think that most of the pieces are there. It's just about fine-tuning what we've got. The Casey flag, if anything, just proves the depth that we have, and and maybe it is just utilising a few of those players. That I think I remember, you know, you were speaking about this on the last pod. We didn't tinker with too much, and and I suppose you wouldn't from a grand final from a premiership side. You wouldn't tinker with it too much. You kind of back yourself in. So now we've experienced the disappointment of this year. We've got those players that are playing uh, in the twos, and a lot of them that are playing at AFL level, above VFL level, and, you know, certainly deserve a berth in the side, we start to see some of them coming through next year. 100%. Next one comes in from Sue Barber. Being overrun up the halftime when we had a decent lead, why didn't JVR get a game as well as some others when clearly there are injuries? Very disappointing into the season. Yeah, I mean, we've said this before. I think we'll play it safe, to be fair. Um, Again, we're backing... Backing our players in, and I think Goody had that you know, mentality, and I think unfortunately they did get it wrong. I think JVR definitely deserved a gig. I mean, it's hard as a key position player. Um, you know, he, he could have been another Jack Watts all over again. Um, but to be fair, I think looking in hindsight, I thought this is going to be the best thing for JVR. He's going to come in next year um, and absolutely take the the competition by storm. And at, you know, at nineteen, I think that you know the world is oyster. There's so much potential there it's it's crazy i just gotta hope we don't lose him to wa we won't don't say it we won't <laughs> oh tim hop in d life display of the year award is coming to a close and we have the last round of voting to go through now Mine for this game, I mean, it's gone for a while. And to think back to the game, I'm thinking, geez, it just reminds me of how well Brisbane's midfield just really strangleholded us. And, you know, that played a pivotal role in the second half of that game, unfortunately. And, yeah, we got stranglehold. So to go through that, I thought my one vote goes to Christian Petrarca to play on one leg, have 27 um, still be relatively influential. I thought, you know, big kudos to him and hopefully he has another big preseason. And yeah, I think we, it'll be good for us not to be so, I don't know, there was probably a little bit of arrogance about us in the second half of the year, to be honest. And hopefully that shifts around. So a little bit of 2018 Richmond about us. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. One vote for me goes for Alex Neil Bullen. I just thought that he played a really solid game, uh, you know, for, for as much as that he can contribute and just kick that, that goal late, when we just had that little bit of a sniff towards the end of the, the fourth quarter when we had that flurry of goals there, his goal was really important and I thought um loved his celebration as well too and I think he rounded out just a really solid game as well too. Probably his best game uh, for probably the, you know, the last sort of six to eight rounds. So I thought he was exceptional. Yeah, there's probably one area where Nibbler really didn't, well, more so his 2021 year, kick more goals as opposed to this year. And I think for him to get back into that goal-kicking form is going to be huge for us. Um, my two votes goes to Eddie Langdon at the 24-2. and two. I thought he was pretty pretty solid across the game and, you know, supplied, supplied us some attacking flair. So, yeah, he's just a star in his position. And, yeah, hopefully we'll get back to, he, get, he gets back to his uh, dominant best in 2023. Yeah, my two votes goes to Harrison Petty. I just think that, again, I think 
thing about a positive of this year, we've seen again the growth of him as a key defender and really sort of molding himself on on those leaders that he has down back there in terms of Stephen May and, and Jake Lever. And yeah, like you know, eleven intercept possessions, eight marks, like game high intercepts, game high marks uh, for both sides. So uh, yeah, I thought it was a really strong game from him, who who finished the season really strongly as well too. Fantastic one, and my three votes is probably yeah, you probably underlined him here, I reckon. Um, but it does go to Harrison Petty, our key forward of the night. Um, <laughs> supplied probably more <laughs> than Ben Brown did in the space of five ten minutes. Um. Could this be the could this be the change for for Petty? Could he be a, the ultimate swingman? I mean, he, he showcased it and took a huge pack mark. It was unreal and then kicked truly. Um, but yeah, his game, his intercept game was awesome. I mean, he had the eighteen and kicked a goal. I thought it was incredible. Um, definitely his best game for the club. Um, unfortunately, it didn't result in a win. Uh, and my three votes goes to someone who's been well on. On both ends of the stick on the podcast here, and he certainly played. He has a really strong first half, and and certainly played probably the best game for again for the probably far last six to eight weeks. And that was James Harms. I just think that he was all over it in that first half, running up and down the wing. It's great with the intercepts as well too. And yeah, I thought I thought that his game there certainly certainly warranted the three point three votes there. All right, we've got a leaderboard, mate. Have we got a final or a leaderboard there? All right, yes, we do. So we've known the winner now. It's been pretty clear for a while. Mind you, I don't think our winner polled a vote in probably the last four or five games of, of the round. I don't have the breakdown of, of week by weeks here. But uh, let, let's start from, well, let's start from number five. Well, let's just go to the top five. So coming in fifth for the, and a really strong end to the season. I don't think uh, polled early uh, very much at all. But in fifth with 16 votes is Harrison Petty. So yeah. yeah. It's a great finish for the season for him. Uh, coming in fourth was Kaziah Pickett with 18 votes. Third, Gus Brayshaw with 20 votes. Second, Clary with 29. And first was uh, Jack Viney, who once held, I think, a 16-vote lead. Uh, finishes off with 37, so eight ahead of second place, Clayton Oliver. So... Jack Viney, amazing season. Uh, I think you think back to our first half of the season and how dominant we were. He was such a crucial cog and a really, uh, really big factor of why we were so, so good early on. And yeah, again, we talked about best season for the club. Absolutely. Even if his last six games sort of faded out a little bit, he certainly set us up um, for that first half of the year. And hopefully we can see that, that mongrel bastard back up and around. In uh, 2023, just the, the same, lifting it to another level. Yeah, 100%. I think he's he's probably going to be a bit hard on himself for the way his two finals games went because he was definitely down on his you know his performances across most of the year. And I think you know, he'll be driving the stand in the preseason and I can't wait to see him go out there in 2023. All right, mate, we're doing something a little bit different today and I thought it'd be really cool to... You know, to look at this year and look at next year, but yeah, do it with a little bit of a you know a podcast special of five in the flash, just to go through, just to put each other you know through the ringer, um, and then yeah, really look forward to hearing the response here, mate, because I've got five absolute ringers for you. And <laughs> reminder, it's going to be the first thing that comes to mind. Don't right. go on a spiel, just just lay it out there. First thing that pops in your brain. All I right? never go on a spiel. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, first one, favorite moment from 2022. Favorite moment, I think, it has to be the Carlton game. Just being there, part of the crowd, because his goal. It was, uh, yeah, one of the best wins I've, I've certainly um, been at the ground for. Fantastic. Lucky I changed one of my other questions because I would have stumped you with double question, double answer there. <laughs> uh, next one, breakout contender for twenty twenty three, as in a player. A, a player. Uh, I think we might see the elevation of Tom Sparrow again. I think just, yeah, taking it up to a new level inside, maybe the track moving forward a little bit more. Love it. Next one, ideal return for Luke Jackson. Uh, it has to be, it has to be, has to be two, two first round picks. Um, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of swaps in there, but yeah, has to be a bunch of two first round picks as well. Love it. All right, next one. Who wins 2021 D's grand final team or 2022 Cats grand final team? Fuck. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, 
Well, you can I be mean, biased here. Well, yeah. I mean, I love to say the D's. Uh, it's yeah. I, I honestly haven't rewatched anything of the Geelong game, so it's sort of hard to sort of, I suppose, analyze what they did to Sydney. But yeah, oh, well, let's let's just say the D's because the momentum that we did over the finals, I know it's similar to their tra- trajectory that they had this year as well too. But yeah, for uh, for our sake, let's say the D's. But the Cats were bloody good. Yeah, fair enough. Right, last one. What do we have to do to beat Geelong in 2023? To beat Geelong? Uh, probably just find our probably find our second forward. Um, find out probably find our forward structure um, and being able to kick a winning score. Fantastic. All right, mate. Your turn to put me through the ringer. Okay. Now, apologies because there might be a double up here because I don't know. No, we, we thought that could right. be the way. Yeah. So, like like, yeah, That's why we... I went first. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll start it off with number one. Uh, Melbourne will receive what for Luke Jackson? <laughs> uh, it'll be your first rounder, and then we'll on-trade a first rounder for Brody Grundy. The next demon to be delisted in 2022 will be... Oh, fuck. Um... Kate Chandler. Delisted? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Coming off what Jace just said, I reckon that'd be an unpopular opinion. But anyway, he put me in the ringer first thing that came to mind. <laughs> uh, our first debutant in 2023 will be JVR. What about the biggest bolter team in 2023? So we had Collingwood oh. this year, obviously. Who have we got next year? Oh, that's a that's a bloody tough one. Uh, just trying to go through the cogs. I reckon, I reckon Carlton will be a top four side next year. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not as big as Collingwood's rise from 17th to 4th. Um, yeah, I think that will be the team. And I reckon potentially Port Adelaide as well. I reckon they'll be probably back back to their probably all-conquering best, knowing their, probably who they play. I think their, their draw will probably suit them. And finishing off, the 2023 Ds will finish this position if we do what? You're meaning we finish first? We finish, the oh, sorry, finish. We will finish and you fill the gap. Okay. If we, two, there's two field of gaps there. All right, here you go. Where All right, so what do we need to do? <laughs> well, I want to be completely deeds biased with everything I say here. We'll win the flag, finish probably second or third, get a home final potentially. Um, if we find the right structure forward, as well as tinker with our game plan to be a little bit more attacking and also find a balance for how Brody Grundy and Max Gorn will combine. Well, Simo, that's uh, well, that almost wraps up season 2022. It's been like it's been nice to have a couple of weeks off, and and I suppose enjoy the rest of the finals. Uh, you know, undoubtedly would have been nicer if the D's were in it, but at least we were sort of being able to enjoy the spectacle of of AFL and enjoy the grand final as it as it was, even though it was much of a fizzer of a game. But uh, yeah, that's. It's great, great episode to finish off on. Like having that interview with Jason Taylor, I thought it was really fantastic to sort of get a bit of insight about you know, where where we're looking to to uh, to improve and and to build upon for season twenty twenty three in terms of personnel and, and the draft. But yeah, what a year it's been! It's been the roller coaster, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's fair to say that's one thing. But I thought I'd yeah flow this one out and thank you for all the you know the edits and you know getting a special guest and involving me in this. I think it's just Something great that, you know, kind of get everything off the chest, talking about the Ds and, yeah, get to experience some pretty awesome stuff, talking to, you know, past players and, um, you know, people that are involved with the footy club, especially today. I thought that was amazing. So, yeah, thank you for all the work you've done. And, yeah, hopefully uh, 2023 we can bring you some joy being there on the day. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. Well, thank you. No, well, it's uh, no means a lot. Thank you, but but also, yeah, couldn't couldn't be here without you, mate, and and your contribution as well too. So, yeah, putting up with uh with my shit, you know, all for for what two full years now, or yeah, two full years almost now. Or, yeah, it was uh April April last year. So, yeah, so, so it's no, it's been. Been been a fun year. Nice to have a bit of consistency as well too. And as you said, it's like it is. It's a great opportunity that we have to not only, I guess, uh, yeah, get things off our chest and, and have a bit of a chinwag about it, but also you you do get yeah. It's it's really nice to have opportunities to talk to some people involved within the club and media personalities and whatnot. So that's that's really uh, it's really fun as well too. You get to learn a lot, I guess. And it's um, yeah, it, it's a really nice outlet, I suppose, for. Uh, especially my household that, you know, Penny couldn't care less about <laughs> what the T's are doing. So, 
nah, it's been it's been awesome. It's been a ripper of a year, and and of course we wouldn't be here without our listeners as well too. So a massive thanks to um to yeah everyone that's that's chimed in, that's had a listen, that's commented. I think we ticked over the we're approaching the thirty thousand download mark um, soon. So yeah, it's 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 massive. It's um in terms of yeah just to think that <laughs> there's one person out there that wants to listen to us chat is uh you know is rewarding in itself let alone a few more than that so i think that's that's been uh, really pleasing but you know mostly we're, we're here to talk footy and now we love the input of our listeners and and we thank those people but of course we can't we can't leave without um thanking our loyal sponsors as well too so Jody and Mike down at Hop End Brewing have been, yeah, big big supporters of ours now for a couple of years, and we really uh, appreciate all their support that they give us. And hopefully, our listeners have either now heard of them and and been able to either head down to the brewery or they've spotted their beers at their local bottle because, yeah, they're a great little local business and and something that yeah keeps us going, which is great. And then Brendan down at Valley Electrical Group. So again, thank you for his support as well too. But. Uh, yeah, that's um, that's it. Probably, I guess we'll probably do a bit of a trade special once that all trade and draft special once that all sort of wraps up. What towards the end of November, I think, off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to have a bit of a break though. But yeah, no, nah, great year. Unfortunately, didn't way that didn't go the way we wanted it to. We'll be back in twenty twenty three, stronger than better, bigger and better than ever. And I think the players going to be bleeding. And yeah, I think everyone's just got to get along for the ride. Get your memberships, gear up for a big twenty twenty three. That's it. But, uh, oh, most importantly, though, go the days. Go the days. <laughs> <laughs>